last week I, I, I mentioned about uh, biblical counseling and a upcoming uh, regional con- conference in Belfast and uh, also about some training opportunities available uh, and I am unashamedly plugging it uh, yet again this week. In fact, I'm going one step further and I'm going to invite Martin. Where's Martin? Martin, Martin. hi Martin. Uh, come and tell us about the conference and the training course. Thank you. Okay, I, I, I was here two weeks ago and I was really struck by um, how keen people were to do something after they'd listened to Ken. Um, what can we do to care for others? And um, so I am going along to this conference, so I'd like to urge people to go along to it, which is being held in Strammelis Evangelical Church. Um, it starts at 9.45. Registration, I think, is between 9.15 and 9.45. There are still places left. And uh, you can register an ev- um, Eventbrite, or you can pay at the door, I'm told. Uh, so just to let you know a little bit more about it, um, the, 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 it is really about, is the Bible relevant to my everyday life? That, that's, I suppose, the question. Is God interested in the minutiae of our lives? Is he interested in the detail of our lives? And we know that God is interested in our sanctification, and so he uses the circumstances, the trials, the things that go on in our lives to bring us closer to him. And so those things don't happen by accident. And so those are the things that God uses. And so therefore, when things begin to happen in our lives, then it's great then to be able to look at, well, what's God trying to say here? What is God trying to do in my life? So the conference really is about um, three talks. There's the hope for real biblical change. There's God's vision for counseling. And then what can we do to bring about the change? So whether that's personally or in the lives of the people that we rub shoulders with, whether in our churches or in work or, or within our own families. So can I highly recommend this? And on the back of that, I just want to recommend the Certificate in Biblical Counseling. There are some of these leaflets maybe still um, in the entrance hallway there. So I've been doing this course um, now for two years. Um, so 2017, I, I started to do it um, And I I have to say that I found it very beneficial. I would love that you would all do it. And if you don't get anything from it, I'll pay you your money back because it is fantastic. So personally, your walk with God will will be really challenged, um, but you will find it beneficial personally. I went into this course to be able to help others, but found that actually it helped me so much. So... Um, it, it really is about how we can help people. Uh, um, and some of the topics that they have, the, the very first one which starts this autumn is the Dynamics of Biblical Change, which is an introduction to biblical counseling. Um, so I did do that one. The second one I did was Helping Relationships, which is just that whole idea of when you're in church in the morning, you say hello to somebody, hello, how are you? And they say, I'm fine, I'm fine, yeah. Okay, see you next week then. And that's, that's about the level of our interaction with people. Whereas what we do in helping relationships is about, well, how are you really? It's about getting a wee bit deeper. How are you really? I'm interested in how you really are, and I'm going to give you a wee bit of time. So that that was what the helping relationships one was about. Then the third one is in counseling the local church, which I haven't done. And the third one that I did was in biblical interpretation. Um, 
and it really teaches teaches you how to study your Bible. It, it gives you an overview of the Bible. It, it helps you to look at, at, at the Bible from the big picture. What is God trying to do from Genesis to Revelation? Right down into the detail of a passage as well, that everything matters. So I find that very useful. So even already, I, even though I haven't done the whole course, I find it very good at beginning to help people within my own family, within my own wider sort of friendship circle, and within my church. Um, some of the other units are on marriage counseling, human personality, and then theology and secular psychology. Um, you don't have to do it all at once, as you've seen that I, I don't, didn't do it all at once because I just had so much going on. It is intensive, but it is worthwhile. Um, so if you're interested, the closing date for this intake is the 1st of July. So it's, it's run by uh, CCF. It's run in Belfast in Union College. There are some leaflets out there, and I'll probably be around if anybody wants to ask me anything else. Thank you, Ken. Okay, thank you, uh, Martin, for that. Now, in this section, we're looking at the topic of caring for others. And um, I think that's why a lot of you are here, because you care and you want to care for others and, and grow in the area of caring for others. So great to, to know that. Uh, to state the obvious that uh, when it comes to mental health issues, yeah, Christians are not immune. Uh, we have the same fallen body, live in the same fallen world as everybody else. Um, I would argue so, sometimes that Christians may be even more vulnerable in some regards. And I tell people, you know, if you have unresolved psychological, emotional issues before you became, came to faith or became a believer or came to, came to Christ, those are not going to disappear, generally speaking. Maybe for some cases they do. Generally speaking, they're not going to vanish overnight. And there's a whole process of growth and learning and working through things that one must uh, uh, partake of. But, but in, the, in the meantime, if you, if you have things that troubled you before, they could be carried over into your Christian life if you're somebody who has to please everybody or seeking to win the attention or the affection of your parents or whatever, whatever that can be, if that's not resolved within you, that can transfer into you know, having to please uh, God all the time and feeling uh, driven to uh, achieve and do things in order to get God's approval. And uh, if you thought, your parents' standards were high. Try, try meeting God's standards on your own strength. You know, you have no chance. So you can get driven. Uh, you can burn out trying to do that. Also, Christians uh, can uh, think, now, now that I'm a, a believer, everything should be fine. I've got uh, Jesus in me. Uh, I should be able to walk through life. And I'm not supposed to feel like this if you have any negative emotions. This is wrong. I, I shouldn't be feeling anxious, I shouldn't be feeling depressed, shouldn't be feeling worried about, about things, which you know, can't be further from the truth. We, we all struggle with uh, negative emotions and have to learn how our faith meets us in that place and helps us to work through it so that we are able to have a more mature approach to life. Christians can sometimes be too nice about things or too passive about things and not be appropriately assertive. 
uh, in the workplace sometimes workplace conflict which is think you know, always have to take a take the uh, you know uh, 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 back seat or uh, stand back and not be more uh, voice their concerns more and raise issues and stand up for themselves so, and of course then um, every one of us belongs to imperfect churches where we will meet imperfect people and have imperfect relationships so if that isn't a recipe for struggle of some kind then I don't know what is so just to uh, remind you what I think you all know already that Christians are by no means immune from mental health issues and don't let anybody tell you that they are some core attributes when you're thinking about helping uh, people uh, think about uh, some attitudes, some skills, and the area of knowledge. So these are some a- attitudes I think are particularly important when you're trying to help somebody with mental health issues. Uh, obviously, the compassion. People need to know that you are, are genuinely concerned and that you care. Uh, being non-judgmental, very important. Uh, so you know, I'm not going to be able to trust you until they know that you're not judging them. Uh, and that you can accept that they are where they are at that point in time. Thirdly, and this is also very important, to you need to know that you're able to cope with their mess or the complexity. And often people uh, bring uh, complicated things, and things are hard, hard things and heavy things, and they want to know whether it's safe to talk to you even a little bit about them if they mention that they're depressed and you take a panic attack yourself or you don't know how to cope with that then they're not really going to think of you as a safe person or somebody who's able to listen and and take on board what they're going through so the more you're able to convey that you know that that is so hard that must be really hard for you without falling apart yourself uh, i think the, the more effective you'll be as a helper skills quite simply uh, learning how to listen learning how to think, learning how to speak. So, you know, listening well, we all know, is, a, is an essential skill. If you want to understand somebody, you've got to be able to, you know, put your own preconceptions to one side and have the patience and the time and the willingness to really listen intently and carefully and non-judgmentally. And then, at the same time, you've got to be able to, you know, process what you're, what you're hearing and think about it and make some sense uh, sense out of it. And of course, the, the more experience you have, the more training you have, the more knowledge you have, the better you'll, you'll be able to do that. And then once you be able to do that, to be able then to know how to speak and when to speak and when not to speak and what to say when you speak. So the art of knowing what to say to somebody who is hurting uh, is again, uh, I suppose, a, a lifelong uh, lesson for all of us. And knowledge, uh, well, self, self-awareness is important. If you if you want to help somebody, you know, the, the more you've kind of come to terms with yourself and, and have accepted yourself and know what your strengths and what your limitations are. Otherwise, the risk is you get buttons pushed without you knowing and then you start to react to people out of something which is stirred in you, which is not to do with the other person, but they get a reaction because it's triggered something in you. So the more that you 
you know, are aware of this. And even, even if you do have a negative reaction, being aware that hmm, that might come from something that I'm working, I'm dealing with myself rather than what the other person is, is dealing with. Mental health issues, the more you know about that, the better. That's why, partly why you're here. And uh, practical theology, knowing how the gospel, knowing how scripture relates to life. And the more that you're able to, you know, look at scripture through the lens of how, how does this, you know, really make a difference to somebody's everyday life and not just theological um, theories or principles, the, the better. Okay, uh, give you an, another framework. Uh, again, just one way of approaching someone, one way of thinking about somebody in front of you. Uh, not, not that you sit there with a checklist and go through all of these things, but just a way of orientating. If you're sitting with somebody, you know, I like to think vision, understanding, and helping. So what's the vision for this person? You know, what am I, what am I trying to do? Well, in fact, what, what is God's heart for this person? First of all, what's, what's God's vision for this person? Why, why have they brought us together at this? Why has he brought us together at this particular time? What, what would he be wanting for this person um, and their life? A vision for the other person? Uh, to me, in, in a Christian sense, when we're helping, yeah, ultimately we want to provide as much help as we can to the immediate problem. You know, but the greatest help we can give somebody is to be able to connect them with the source of life itself. You know? So it, wouldn't, it would be a failure, really, if they become dependent on you as a helper or you as a counselor, you as, you as, a, you as a pastor, and not then lean on God himself. So you're, you're really in the, in, the, in the act of helping somebody. You're really, your, your vision for them is that they will find their, their life and their strength and their hope in God himself. And then a vision for yourself. So when you're, when you're in a helping situation, you are an ambassador, you're a channel, you're there not in your own strength, you're there to bring some kind of light and love and wisdom from God himself to that person, to their, to their heart. So, you know, take some pressure off. It's not all about you. It doesn't depend, actually, at the end of the day, it, your, your, tra- your training takes you so far. It's your heart and your, your surrender, your, your, your ability to be wise that's going to make more of a difference to the person in front of you. Uh, secondly, understanding. Uh, this simply means just pausing to think, now, do, I, do I get what's going on? You know, do I have some, some kind of understanding as to what's happening? I mean, the more that you understand someone, uh, the better you're able to help them. I think that's kind of common, common, common sense. But we often don't, maybe don't stop enough to think, you know, have I really got this? Um, am, I, am I getting what the core issue is? Um, somebody once described wisdom as being the ability to get to the real issue. You know, I like that. You know, the ability to discern and know, okay, I think this is what's really going on here. Um, my, one of my mentors told me in my, in my training, you know, what people are looking for uh, when they come for help is the sense that they are being understood by the other, and, and, they, and they need to feel that they are being understood by the other person. Now, interestingly, the other person may not feel that themselves. They may not feel as if they are really getting everything or understanding everything. But if the person uh, that has come to you for help feels as if you get it, you're, you're on your way. You know, there's a, there's a connection there. If they think, if they feel that, that you can really understand what they're going through. 
Um, we, we, we use, so again, holistic model, we, we've been talking about this, you know, we think broadly, yeah, so, so we think about the biological factors, the psychological factors, the social factors, spiritual factors, not just one. Uh, and I think the more you're able, and the, and, the, and the more you know about, you know, the more you know about biology, the more you know about psychology, so the, the, the better, the more kind of holistic your uh, understanding of a person is. So obviously, that's where training comes in, experience, and life experience comes in as well. Uh, the five Ps is one framework that we use to try and uh, put some structure on a person's presentation and their and their problems. So we think about what what are the what are they presenting with? What are the what are the immediate problems that they're coming with? Yeah. And as we talk with them, as we take a bit of history, as we try and understand where they're coming from and their background and their family, we try and put together a bit of a a narrative, uh, a story about where they're coming from. So what are the predisposing factors? What, what, were, what was there in their life even before they had the problems becoming more evident? Because you know, there are certain things, you know, we talked about uh, you know, deprivation or trauma or a certain personality type or certain family, stru- family relationships. What was, what was predisposing? And then in the course of things, what was it that triggered off that particular problem or episode of, of uh, difficulty or illness? Was it a, a, an, an event? Was it a, a collection of events? Was it something that happened, something that changed in, this, in their situation? And then, uh, fourthly, we think about, okay, once it's started, now what, what's keeping it going? Um, now, if there was a, a stress before and that stress was still there, that's an obvious reason why something would still be uh, a, a difficulty if, if that's if the the cause is still so that other people get into you know vicious cycles in their thought patterns and they kind of get into a rut and they uh, uh, act in ways which reinforce their negative thinking so you know we, we ask ourselves and what's what's actually keeping this going and if we don't if we don't identify and address that it's just going to perpetuate the the situation and then fifthly on a more positive note we like to think about um, what are the protective factors, what are the positive things that the person and others can draw upon to help them in how they tackle their problems and in their recovery? So can we draw on um, you know, a particular strength in their personality or their character or their family life or their church life? Or do they have a, do they have a particularly robust faith that can be drawn upon at this time of suffering? That's some thoughts about understanding. And then um, helping. Um, yes, so what I, tell, what, I, what I ask people to think about is, uh, think about if, if you're f- face-to-face with somebody, right, the chances are you won't be the only person who is involved in the person's life. You know, generally speaking, you're not the only one. And that's good to know. Um, so you're thinking, okay, th- th- there is, you know, there's an overall plan for helping this person of which you, you don't have responsibility for all of it. Uh, now, some people um, aren't in a situation where somebody is having an oversight on what their overall plan is, and that can be problematic. So the priority would be for them to get the kind of help that does look at the overall plan, you know, medication and therapy and social activity and, and, and so on. 
um, and if they're not, then that becomes a priority. But the chances are that you know, your involvement with somebody fits in is one piece of an overall plan just to remind yourself, you know, uh, I, I don't have to do everything, everything here. Um, and then, you know, what is the role of your church in, in helping this person? And what is the role of, of you as an individual within your church? Because uh, they can be obviously overlapping, but sometimes different as well. And the, the church has responsibilities, you have responsibilities, professionals have responsibilities, and if people can work together, I think the person can benefit more. So, not ten commandments, ten considerations uh, for pastoral care and mental health. Um, this is a this is a talk I do uh, in in the pres the Presbyterian church. Any any anyone from the Presbyterian church today? They they have a very uh, a good system of like a road show of for pastoral care issues, um, and uh, you, see, you go around the different areas and uh, uh, have two or three seminars plus a keynote message. And then this this talk is one part of. Of, of that sort of roadshow. So if you've heard this before, then uh, you, you, you might recognize it. So 10 considerations in relation to pastoral care and mental health. So number one is uh, prayer, because at the end of the day, this is a spiritual ministry. Um, you know, we, we're going to need grace we're going to need empowering. We cannot do this on our own strength. Uh, we want to be ministering God's wisdom, and we want to have the compassion and the courage to, to, to help in this way because it's going to take things out of you. Um, and if you don't have the energy and the spiritual strengthening, then it's going to be really hard, you know, and, and what fruit is it really going to bring forth if you're not depending on his strength for, for doing this? Number two, uh, counting the cost because helping people who's, who are struggling with mental health issues is hard work. Uh, it will take time, it will take energy, and it will draw from you. Uh, so therefore, knowing how to look after yourself, knowing how to be, have your own resilience, uh, knowing how to uh, manage your own life are all vital aspects. So counting the cost. And, and, and if you're not in a place to devote the kind of time or energy to a particular commitment, then it's better to say, no, not, I, I don't want to overstretch what my ability is. That's good stewardship of your, of your time and abilities. For churches, um, organizing care, like we talked a little bit earlier on, you know, uh, I'd like to see churches actually putting some thought into this. It's great that within churches, individuals are trying to help each other, but it'd be great then if there can be a coming together of like-minded people with the backing and support of the church leadership 
to think about, you know, how can we do this more effectively? How can we support each other? How can we have good structures? What do we do about confidentiality? Um, how can we support those who are trying to be supporters of other, of other people? You know, how can we form teams or informal teams to, to back each other up and, and, and provide cover for each other? You know? So obviously all this is easier said than done, but the, 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 the point being that uh, it takes some organizing and some thought and it would not be wise to just jump into trying to help people um, without having some strategic thinking behind it. Number four. Knowing what's out there, knowing, knowing a bit about the system and help that's available both in the NHS and in the independent sector, knowing how to access help urgently in, in, in crisis situations. The handout I gave you last week should give you some help and resources for accessing services and how services are accessed and various um, uh, uh, websites that give lists of uh, helping organizations in different, in different areas. If you have, this is an area where if you have somebody who works in the system, if, if you have a mental health professional in your church, then make use of them in terms of being able to, to signpost well and know how to navigate the system. Sometimes, uh, you know, just knowing what number to ring or what service to ask for or what to request the GP to refer a person to can save time and help people get to the right place uh, quicker than going round and round. Uh, this is just a recap from last week. We talked about how the uh, gospel, in my, in my opinion, has a lot to say about mental health. The core tenets of the gospel properly understood and applied, speak powerfully to different areas of our mental functioning and can promote well-being. I won't uh, go through all that again. But the question I like to ask people is, how, how good is your gospel? Uh, is it really good news? Is it good news to you, first of all, uh, let alone to other people? Does it really make a difference in your own life? You know, does it matter that you are justified being sanctified will be glorified. Does it really make any difference to your nine to five, to your day to day life? You know, or, do, or will, you, will your life function just as it does, as it does, uh, without if the gospel wasn't alive in, in your life? I hope not. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I hope we would say, you know, we would just fall apart completely uh, if we weren't living by the gospel, moment by moment, day by day. In our own lives, you know, yeah, the the gospel is is every much for believers as it is for not yet believers. So how how good is your gospel? Lifelong loving community, uh, again, where the church can come into its own if we get our act together. Um, if we learn how to be church, if we learn how to unite, if we learn how to um, become places of acceptance and uh, love and, and, com and compassion, um, 
without compromising on morality and standards and boundaries, then we have the opportunity to provide places for people to belong, uh, to know and be known. We have the opportunity to provide uh, fam- new families in Christ. Yeah, so many people um, are in great difficulty because they have not had a good start and they have not had uh, positive parenting. They have not had stable families. They've not even had families in some cases. You know? and, the, and to me, it's beautiful when the church can provide some of that can provide fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and cousins and aunties and uncles for people who have no concept of what healthy family functioning is like. You know? Can I urge you to think about how we can be families to people who have, who have none or who have had none? Uh, lots of opportunities to serve um, within the local church setting. Affecting culture, yeah, like, I, I feel strongly about this. In addition to thinking about individuals, you know, think about how your church, if, it's a, if it gets healthy, if, it gets, um, if there's a vision for the community around them, how it can really make a difference to the area that you're in. Now, just by the attitude that you carry, by the light that you bring into the workplace, by the way you talk to people in Tesco, by the way you drive on the roads, you know, little things, practical things, it all, it all counts. And if you can uh, bring that light out into the environment around you, who knows how that can affect the, the, the culture around you? You know, that, that kind word you say to the person at the Tesco checkout counter might just be the thing that he or she needed to uh, keep them going for one more day or the thing that turns them away from doing something destructive to themselves later in the evening. You just never know what uh, impact you can have that can make a real difference to people's lives and, and functioning. Obviously, uh, we need to know boundaries and limitations. There's only The church is not expected to solve the mental health problems of society um, and uh, there are limitations to what the church is going to be able to do. Uh, obviously, depending on size, you just simply may not have the resources to help that many people. If you're a very small congregation, the, the ability to, to help is going to be limited by, by size. Um, you know, churches don't have the resources to provide 24-7 care to a suicidal patient um, who, who would need to be in a, in a, in a particularly prescribed environment for, for that. So there's just things that churches are not going to be able to do. Um, physiology and risk are two things that are obvious. So if somebody needs you know, medical, if there's a physiological problem, they need medical help, then please uh, help them to, to get it. And if there's, if there's significant risk, risk of harm to self, risk of harm to others, it would be wise not to be working on your own or trying to manage risk that's beyond the capacity of a, of a local congregation to manage. Working with others, I'm all for this. I'm all for people working 
with each other as much as we can, for churches to be working with professional bodies, with the health care system, with voluntary agencies, as much as possible. It does take willingness on all sides, and that's not always uh, forthcoming, unfortunately. Uh, so it does, you know, we, you may not be welcome uh, to be collaborating in someone's care. Uh, but if you are, I take the opportunity, going along with somebody to their appointment, introducing yourself as a friend or a, a pastoral carer or someone who's willing to support the person alongside whatever treatment they're getting can all be very helpful things. I've seen some, uh, some good example of that in, in clinics when somebody has come along from the church uh, willing to provide help alongside what the professional services are offering. I say to people, if... Um, if you are uh, working with somebody on a one-to-one basis in a structured way in a church setting and, and that person is also attending services for counseling or therapy, then uh, you wouldn't want to call what you're doing counseling. Uh, maybe you didn't call it counseling in the first place. Care or counsel would be a better, better word to use rather than counseling because it gets confusing. The general rule being that somebody uh, has one counseling uh, session intervention ongoing at one time rather than, rather than two. It can be quite confusing. Okay. And then... Finally... Uh, taking every opportunity to, again, (laughs) encourage uh, and urge you to think about how uh, churches, how your local church can uh, be better equipped and can be linked up and united with other local churches to collectively and effectively serve people who are struggling with mental health issues. Um, uh, that really is the overarching vision for what we're trying to do or what I'm trying to convey in these sessions here in the Crescent Church. Okay. Uh, That is all I have to say about that. But as before, very happy to take any comments, questions, queries. Oh, yes. Yeah, great question. Uh, and I suppose it depends on what's the setting that the helping is going in. Is it a one-to-one thing where only you and the person are involved? Is it as part of a, are you a home group leader and it's one of the people who are in your home group and, and they are with other people at times in other groups? Um, is it... So it, I think it depends, you work out what the setting, but I mean the general principle is it, it needs to be utmost, with utmost respect and confidence and trust that somebody is um, sharing information with you. Um, uh, people don't need to know, people who don't need to know don't need to know. Uh, the exceptions are always if 
there is immediate risk of harm to self or others and the person is not willing or able to express that to the necessary people who need to know or the necessary services, then then it becomes incumbent, then protection of others takes over and you've got to break confidentiality if, that's, if you're in that kind of situation. Hopefully very rare. But generally speaking, you want to be uh, the kind of person that is trustworthy in all of life <laughs> and respectful and mindful of sensitivities in all of life so that when you talk to somebody about sensitive and difficult issues, um, it just comes into that relationship as, as well. Um, it depends, you know, if you're dealing with pretty difficult things, there's the issue of uh, supervision. I mean, if you're, if you're doing formal counseling, you will have you will need formal supervision anyway. So there is an understanding uh, that, you know, the per- that it's understanding that you're seeing somebody, but at the same time you are receiving regular supervision for your work with that person. If, if it's an informal thing, but it's a very heavy area, a very tricky area, you might then want to ask, you know, I'm going to need some help with this, and I'm going to meet with you, but I think it'll be very helpful for me and for you if I sought some support from you know, the pastor or from a counselor or something to help me understand and process what you're saying. Is that okay with you? So you, you would need their, their knowledge with their knowledge and their, and their agreement. Um, but great question. Handle it with care um, and sensitivity. Depends on the situation. Um, but, you know, if you're... If you're a trustworthy person, if you're somebody who can, who can be trusted in general, that's a very good place to start. <laughs> Anything else? I don't think you can have... I think if there's a willingness and the ability, training is always useful. Um, now, it may be limited by time, uh, resources, uh, uh, but if there's training available and if there's interest, um, get as much training as you can. Uh, you, uh, with training comes, you know, the, with, with the more training you get, the more you might be able to take on or might even feel a bit more responsible for taking on a, bit, a, little, a, little, a little bit more you know, but that can be dealt with so I would say trading is a good thing uh, and as much as possible um, if there's the willingness interest and ability to do it now if there isn't then you wouldn't you, know, you, you, you wouldn't expect people to undertake training which then they don't have the interest or the, or the time or the energy to to, to do, but in general, I would say, um, and if you had a somebody, you know, that that strategic vision, looking at what would be useful training for your particular group, with the needs of your church in mind, then that's even better. Then you can have targeted training, which you can try and get everyone to, you know. So the the more consistency you have among among the people, if they have similar training experiences, then there's more cohesiveness in the ability to help others, I think. Okay, right. Well, well done for making it through another two-hour-plus session. We will conclude here.
and meet again, God willing, in a couple of weeks' time. So thank you very much for your uh, attention this evening. Thank you. Thank you.